This is your host, Adam Settle, of the No Day Wasted Podcast, where we interview God's workers across the globe. This month, we have the founder of walkwithme.global, Melissa Mitchell. What they do is it's a humanitarian relief organization that primarily works in war-torn areas. We recorded this in October of 2021 when she was in the States. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for being here. Hey, Adam. It's so good to see you and be here today. First of all, can you tell our listeners about how you came to Christ and a little bit about your family? Sure. I grew up, um, we moved a lot when I was young. We weren't military, but we moved around the States a lot. But eventually I, I graduated from high school in Oregon and went to college in Oregon at George Fox University. I was not from a family of believers. And um, when I was 16, the Lord really just gave me a dream um, one night. And I knew that I had to give my heart to Christ. So I found the the local church that we used to get in trouble for parking in their parking lot on the weekends um, and just went to church and gave my heart to the Lord. And that was when I was 16. And uh, shortly after that, when I was 18, met my husband in our college years and really have just prepared our whole lives to just serve the Lord wherever we are. Wow. Before you uh, started serving the Lord, before we get into that, can you tell everyone a little bit about what you did before then? So before I was a Christian, of course, I was a kid. I was in high school, and my goal was to really grow up and maybe be a lawyer or a teacher or something. I wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do. I loved uh, teaching, but I also loved money, so I thought I would pursue one of those, and the lawyer uh, piece kind of came out kind of strong in the beginning. But God had different plans, and um, essentially I ended up going into uh, HR and business operations and just really found my stride in that and found that that was a place that the Lord had gifted me with those administrative gifts that I could use in human resources and business startup. And that's what I worked in um, before we went overseas. And then, of course, after we went overseas when we were quite young, right out of college, we did our university years, we did language school, and then we headed out overseas. And for the first 15 years overseas, I worked in corporate, like HR operations and business startups. So that that was kind of my background. I was wondering, how did you get involved with tying vines? You know, back at the height of the refugee crisis, I really felt like I wanted to take my business skills and really use them in this nonprofit world profit world so that we could have an impact on the refugee crisis. And in 2014, it was kind of the height of the crisis. I was running my own company at the time. I was a consultant. And I really felt compelled to just ask the deputy general of UNESCO to um, help me out. Like, so shortly after that, I received an invitation from the United Nations to go to the largest refugee camp in the world. It was in Jordan, the Zatari camp. It was about a million refugees at the time. And from that experience just learned a whole lot about what was going on in this space and decided to direct my energy to that and it was a long process i don't have time to tell you the whole story now but essentially by late 2015 we had already launched our first medical clinic to help refugees and i found myself with the need of being a nonprofit really quickly because that clinic launched a lot quicker than we thought it would and I was told by the U.S. I government, guess God has a different plan whenever you no say, kidding. here, God, here's everything. Yeah. <laughs> Use me. 
Well, it was really phenomenal. And then um, I kind of came back to Qatar where I was living at the time. We launched our first clinic in Jordan and just said, hey, I, I need to figure out this nonprofit stuff right away because we already have a million dollar project running. So I went, started to go through the process of that and um, through that just really learned from the State Department because we were working in er areas that were considered risky for funding terror that that process might take five years. Wow. So I came back to our little home group. We decided to pray about it and I said, listen, I need to become the humanitarian arm of someone right now who has our heart and our focus. And someone in our in our little study there, they said, oh, we know this group, Tying Vines. They were We met them in UAE, and you should meet them. And so I flew over to, to meet them and met Jeff and Mary. And essentially, Jeff came with me to our formal opening of our very first clinic in wow. early 2016. So that, that was kind really of the exciting. start. Yeah. <laughs> I remember back in 2019 when we first met, maybe we could... Uh, share a little bit about how we first met with you and Clint. We were invited by some of our expat friends because we all miss each other. You know, we get to know each other in these countries around the world and then everybody moves to a different country and we don't get to catch up so often. So we had planned this, what we called expatistan and it was just a reunion of people who had lived overseas. We all wanted to come together and we could invite people that we knew overseas mm -hmm. so it was just kind of this group that came together just kind of organically and your parents were invited by mutual friends of ours yeah and and jeff and mary maybe i'm not sure who it was actually you. straight through jeff and mary yeah so we all ended up in colorado in this cool mountain resort um in 2019 and that's that's our very first meeting with you <laughs> wow it's like i saw you i was sitting in a room <laughs> We were sitting in uh, like this lobby area and you were, it was like me, you, Maddie, Mary, and like a, a handful of other people. And you started talking. I was like, I never met you before. <laughs> and <laughs> now, now look at us. Yeah. Um, in 2021, you know, starting the beginning steps of my ministry with the podcast yeah, but we've been talking to you for weekly almost since 2019. <laughs> since so. since 2019, for sure. Yeah. If not weekly, it was at least every other week. Um, and then in 2019, I remember going to the Middle East. And that's whenever I felt like God was really caught my heart with the work that Tying Vines is doing. And I felt like he was calling me to start this podcast because not many people here in the U.S. know how God is working in not just the U.S., in the American church, but in the global church. So that's quite exciting. Where so, were you in the Middle East when you first came? I was in the UAE. Okay, great. Yeah. Neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> neighbors. Can you share basically your vision for, for the next so many, for the next five years or so? For a walk with me. Sure. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have time to share the whole five-year vision. I don't have it in <laughs> front of me, but I can share just a little bit about what we're doing. You know, we started this, as I said, in late 2015, early 2016, just with the first medical clinic that we established in Jordan. And we didn't know uh, what would come of it, but since that time, we, we've named ourselves walkwithme.global. 
And that just really means exactly what the name implies. It means that we invite friends to partner with us and to walk with us in our efforts to help the broken and the suffering around the globe. So that was kind of our mission. And we took some small steps. And now we're currently working in 10 countries. And we're about to add two more before the end of this year. Wow. It's amazing. So we primarily work in war-torn areas uh, with refugees from places like Afghanistan. That's in the news recently. For sure. Uh, sure. Syria, Yemen, and Iraq. And we run programs that are humanitarian programs in three primary areas. We do health and wellness, and that includes medical, dental, and trauma care. We run education and training programs, and those are really initiatives that provide a path forward for children or maybe young adults in vocational programs to catch up with where they should be in their education. And then, of course, we run relief, like we're doing right now on the Afghan border uh, with the refugees that are fleeing war-torn areas. And then the last kind of component that we do is development. And we send in shipments of supplies. We're about to ship number 22 of our 40-foot <laughs> containers in. Wow. So exciting. And then development, uh, we help refugees or poor areas in the world start small businesses so they can become self-sustaining. Wow. That's actually, <laughs> it definitely needs, people definitely need that in this world. I was... Wondering, do you have any stories to share a little bit about Walk With Me and what you all are doing? I know you guys started in Beirut, I think. Yeah, um, we could, you know, I could tell stories for days about my time in the refugee camps. And I think one of the striking things for me was the moment that I actually decided to act on this work. Because for about a year, I I wanted to engage in the refugee crisis, and I just didn't know how to help. So I put my resume out with a lot of the different organizations, like Doctors Without Borders and Red Cross, and anyone that I could find that had a position open for my skill set. But, you know, Mm -hmm. after a year, I didn't hear even anything back. So I don't know uh, about you, but in the spring of 2014, I, I... I just saw this picture come across my TV screen as I was standing in my living room. And I don't know what they show in the news here in the U.S., but it was this small, lifeless body of a little refugee boy that washed up on shore in Greece. Wow. And I was just gutted. You know, it was the time where I thought, you know, this is my time to act. I have seen enough. And so I called a friend, Dr. Bridget Sterling. I just met her. She wasn't really a friend yet, but I'd had lunch with her once. A new friend. Yeah, a new friend. And I said, hey, Dr. Bridget, I'd really like to do something, you know, in this medical field with refugees. And I have $2,500, and I want to go to Jordan and see what we can do. And, you know, she, she just wept, and she just said, listen, my dad's dying wish was for me to help refugees. And she, her dad owns a nonprofit in Canada. Wow. And I didn't know any of that, you know? And so she said, I'll match your it's 20... It's like only God knew that. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'll match your 2500 So we flew to Jordan with no plan, really, and $5,000. And, you know, God opened the door for us to just start this work. And we originally thought, you know, it's not smart. It's not a great business plan to start with no money and no funding. But we, we really thought it was worth the risk because... Yeah. We thought no matter what happens, if we fail in one year or two years, even if we close it, between now and then, we can treat thousands of patients. And that's what we're going for is impact 
for these refugee lives. So that that was kind of the cool start to our to our work. But you know, I've spent a lot of times in a lot of time in war zones. I've been in the middle of Iraq during the war in the Mosul, which is like the Nineveh Valley. Yeah, Nineveh. Yeah, and it was ISIS-held ter- territory at the time. I really just laid on the ground with bullets like, flying overhead. <laughs> yeah. Some people say they pray for my husband more than they pray for me. They should be praying for you. <laughs> so anyway, we've just had some incredible stories. I think the most rewarding work that I've done is with the, the young girls who were captured by ISIS mm-hmm. and abused by ISIS. We have done a lot of work in the trauma realm with some of these young girls. The coolest statistic that I can share is we have um, these young girls who came to us, and in the beginning, we noticed that they would get married at like 13, 14, 15, you know, in that age range. And now the average marriage age for the girls that are come through our trauma programs is over 18. So that's just a huge, cool uh, statistic that I love. Very rewarding to see these girls just thriving in the areas where they are. Wow. I was wondering, well, first of all, I know with this whole, with the whole Afghani situation, I heard that you had, whenever you were heading to Kajikistan, but 72 hours beforehand, you got a phone call from Samaritans first that your husband was <laughs> was telling me about, which that's such a crazy story, Hal. It was a crazy story. Um, I was about to leave for the border of Afghanistan, and I got a call from Samaritans Purse, some people that I think it was their Erbil response team, actually, that were flying into Qatar because when the, the evacuation started happening at the, at the airport in Kabul, Mm-hmm. Uh, more than 50,000 were being evacuated through the U.S. base in Qatar, where I live. Yeah. And so we really helped Samaritan's Purse uh, get on the base, set up their housing, connect with people who could help them with medication and things that they needed. So that was just a cool honor to just be able to support refugees in the country where I live now. You know, it's, it's quite tragic. I don't know what it would be like as a parent to hand my child over the wall to a stranger. But that's exactly... Couldn't imagine it. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening in the chaos in Kabul. And and it ends up that in Qatar alone, where I live, we right now have 120 unaccompanied minors who were separated from their parents. We don't know if they're orphans or if they just were separated during the chaos um, that we're trying to care for in Qatar. So it's, it's very tragic. But, you know, God is making a way for us to really help in every way that we can. For sure, we all have a small step to serve. Hey, I think you stole that from me. Small yeah. steps change Thanks, lives. I, That's my mantra. I did. That is my mantra. I stole, uh, I stole that from you. Yeah, that is absolutely the truth. We've seen that God has just done that over and over again. As we take small steps of faith, uh, he just opens these unimaginable open doors for us to do good around the world. And I just love what I get to do. Wow. That's, that's great. Um, so, do you have any stories from Kajikistan? I know you and Mary and Jeff and Bill were there a couple, about two months ago. No, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> we were just on the border a few weeks ago. You know, I got a call from Bill, and I work with him in Tying Vines. He's kind of overseeing our operations and finance division. So, I've known Bill. He's retired here in the U.S. for about three months, and or three years, sorry. <laughs> And we zoom in our living room and have weekly management meetings about the the back end of tying vines. But um, 
I didn't really understand Bill so much because he was just a retired guy I knew in the U.S. And I knew he had a heart um, that just loved the Persian region. But uh, he called me when the Afghan crisis broke out in Kabul and he said, hey, can you go to Tajikistan? And I was like, absolutely. And he said, you know, yeah, we want you to help respond to the Afghan crisis there. I know a couple guys. So I said, why don't you come with me, Bill? And it so happened that Mary, the president of Tying Vines, and her husband were in the UAE at the time. So we all flew to Dubai and out of Dubai took the three-hour flight into Dushanbe and uh, Tajikistan. And there we, we really met these guys on the ground that Bill has known for years. Wow. Super cool. And we just really connected there. We were able to... Uh, uh, make memos of understanding with local uh, nonprofit partners. We were able to hire our staff, a couple of guys that Bill knew, and our projects are up and running. Right now, we're actually preparing a 40-foot container into Tajikistan so that we can help these uh, refugees resettle before winter hits. So, super cool. Just wow. open doors. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> he does that each and every day. What's that um, other country that you're going to be having a project in, I forget which, which uh, one it well, was. Well, right now our response for the Afghan crisis yeah. is going to be in Tajikistan. It's going to be in uh, Pakistan on the border there, which today just had a massive earthquake. Which is like, insane. It's devastating. Yeah, we heard from our team on the ground there that it is, it, they're, they just have a mess right now on the Afghan border on, the, on that uh, side. So we're trying to get together our response for the earthquake victims as well as the refugee victims right now in the, on the Pakistan side. But also, um, we think later on in November, we'll probably have some type of ministry in the Republic of Georgia mm -hmm. with refugees that have resettled there. Wow, with Bill. Yeah, Bill's yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> Bill's there. Oh, I remember when, uh, I think it was, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was Mary that introduced me to Bill when Bill was asking me to come to Georgia to... Let's be there on the ground to help catch these stories, to come back and share with the U.S. how God is not just working here in the States, but he's working globally. Amen. Yeah. I was wondering, how can people be praying for, for you, your family, your kids, your husband, and, the, and then walk with me? Well, I think right now, just direction for us as we try to respond to not only the Afghan crisis, but we're still dealing with the, the uh, Iraqi refugees, the Syrian refugees, and Yemen right now. We know before the end of this year, like 50,000 people will die of starvation, and we're trying to get more food into Yemen. So we need to pray that people have a heart to partner with us to get food in. I mean, it's just tragic what's going on there. So I think those are the the big prayer requests on our on our humanitarian side, we need help. And our projects are all funded by small grassroots, organ, you know, individuals, some organizations, a couple of churches that have helped out. But honestly, we just have a lot of small donors and a lot of partners around the world and able to, to you know, really be able to do this ministry well. So we need prayer for that. We need more donors because... We're adding three countries. We just added Tajikistan, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to add Pakistan and, and Georgia. So those that takes money to do that, and it takes money to help people. So they can pray that donors um, have a heart to give. You can feed a refugee family for about $70 a month. Wow. And that's just 
amazing that we can make that happen in most of the countries where we work. You can sponsor a refugee family for $300 a month, and that helps them resettle and get set up, and it gives them their food for the month. Wow. And then we're also working to get people out of Afghanistan, and that just takes a lot of logistics lot of and work. prayer and prayer and finances. So prayer those are, most importantly. Yeah, those are really big. But I think realistically, just prayer for our frontline leaders, who continue to just hold the ground. It's tough. Um, sure. We see a lot of really difficult situations, and we hear a lot of difficult stories from refugees coming out. So just uplift them so that you know they stay engaged and they stay refreshed and you know, just really on their game to do the best that they can for the Lord. The rest talks about the relief work following the invasion of Ukraine. We have heard that you started a new project, which is called the Corridor of Hope. Can you share a little bit about that? We're working in Ukraine to get supplies and medicine to the very front lines of the war. So what we have done is just partner with about a thousand churches across the region and nonprofit organizations to get the supplies where they need to go. Right now we've we've shipped more than eight containers. We've landed three planes full of supplies. And we have teams in play in warehouses across Poland, Moldova, Romania, and on into the front lines of Ukraine so we can help with supplies for people who need it most. What are some of the biggest needs you have seen in Ukraine and surrounding areas? The biggest need that we are seeing now in Ukraine is just really the need for medicine, especially for critical care patients, cancer patients, uh, patients who need insulin. We need medication to um, be able to help people that are in isolated places who don't have access to that now. So we're working on landing another couple of shipments of that medicine. We just got 6,000 vials of insulin, and those are shipping in actually right now. Some other big needs really are just um, to help all the churches, the small churches who have turned their, their sanctuaries into places to house refugees who are fleeing internally and across the borders. And they just need help, like paying their electric bills and helping feed those families that they're hosting because now we're hitting the six-month mark, and it's been a very long journey for those small churches and very taxing on them. So we're trying to help some of them pay just some of their basic things so they can keep their lights on. How can listeners partner with you and pray for the Corridor of Hope? The easiest way for people to partner with us is to visit our website, walkwithme.global, and they can give and they can decide where that money is going to go. And right now, the easiest way is to help us financially because we're about ready to do uh, several large shipments that are going to cost us about $30,000 to get into the front lines. We're also building two mobile medical units right now inside Ukraine, and those costs are pretty big, about 60000 each. Um, and we're trying to pay for the labor on that. We have been able to raise uh, the funds to uh, get all the supplies. So we just need people to pray that that goes well, um, they can give. And if people want to come or serve, they can contact me on the website, walkwithme.global, and I'd be happy to um, converse with them about maybe bringing a team or how they can help in some of our other regions as well, not just Ukraine. Not really taking teams into Ukraine, but we could likely do something in Poland or Moldova. Um, but that's, that's the way people can support us right now. I guess the next thing is just be praying that God will work in people's hearts and lives to help and uh, help support the work that's going around the world. 
Yes, amen. I mean, it's just an, a, an amazing season to step into these open doors that we have to do good around the world. And we would love to partner with anybody who would be willing to jump in with us and take a risk and see what God will do. Thanks, Melissa, for being on today. You're welcome. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for listening to the No Day Wasted podcast with the founder of walkwithme.global, Melissa Mitchell. These past couple weeks, we have heard about the flood in Pakistan. To learn more about how you can help, you can go to walkwithme.global and read more. To learn more about the podcasts and listen to more, you can go to nodaywastedpodcast.org.